Welcome to episode 54 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and you can find me avoiding the cracks that break my mother's back on Twitter at S-E-A-T-J-K. And with me is Chris. Where do you draw your lines in the sand, Chris? At the beach, mostly. Yeah? Do you write dirty words? <laughs> <laughs> yes, for other people to come find later. Yeah, yeah you can find me at CD Villasenor on the Twitter. Awesome. Interact with the show on Twitter at 2 on 3 pod or hit us up via email at holla, holla. at 2 on 3 pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. Tonight, we're going to be talking about drawing lines. Um, in segment one, we're going to talk about uh, that motherfucker in the Oval, as well as other needed cancellations, like perhaps R. Kelly. In segment two, we'll talk about the need to draw some new guidelines around pet ownership, or perhaps not. And in segment three, we'll talk about the imaginary line of amateur status and how it seems to vary wildly depending on the sport. We're going to introduce a new segment tonight after our three segments, but I'm going to save it as a surprise until later in the show. And then in the OT, we'll do a little, maybe a little Seahawks postmortem. And then Chris has got some things to say about Mads Mickelson. <laughs> uh, but before we get to our topics, would you like to talk about my junk? Let's talk about, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about your appointment with, you know, a bit of a shave and a haircut. <laughs> well, no shave or haircut, thankfully, for me, but definitely a, a snip snip. Um, I actually had to put it off a couple of days. It was supposed to be last Thursday, and I ended up having it on Saturday because I had, uh, not unwittingly, foolishly, forgotten about the pre-surgery instructions and taken some aspirin on New Year's Day. So they don't want you to take any blood thinning agents prior For, to the... So wait a minute. So It was Tuesday. Like a, I take the aspirin on Tuesday. They want a five-day... Five days? They want five days of no aspirins. Really? Yeah, so oh, I had to I'm... wait a couple more days. But God God forbid you should bleed out through your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's talking to me about it. He's like, the, the risk is low. He's like, but uh, if we do it today and then it becomes a problem, are you going to look back and say, I sure am glad I got it done on Thursday? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> Fair enough, Doc. Yeah, I was like, all right. Well, he's, he's like, can you come back on Saturday? I was like, yeah. But uh, that unfortunately puts me in the position of still recovering. Um, and you know, I, I think it's a little, just... it's a little touchier than perhaps you thought it would be. You were, you were slightly cavalier about it. You thought, Oh God, they've got modern techniques. I should be, <laughs> I should be good to go. Well, they make it seem like you're going to be good to go. I mean, they definitely tell you to take it easy, you know, and I think people probably feel better. And I think that I also, I'm just not, I don't heal as fast as I used to. You know, I, I, for me, people talk about turning 40 for me when I turned 35, my body just quit making new cells. <laughs> it's just like, nah. Um, cause I mean, I got a motorcycle accident 10 years ago and yeah, I had to do PT and my major surgery, but I recovered. I have no limitations from that. And, uh, so, and anytime I got hurt, you know, obviously when I was younger, I felt like I always came back quickly. Um, and this just seems like it's hanging around and it's such a bizarre, the whole thing is a bizarre experience. Um, I would actually equate it. And I told the doc this at the time that, uh, it's kind of like getting a tattoo. You have decided to do something. You've planned it out. You've discussed it with the, the artist, as it were. And then it's time to go get it done. And there's nothing fun about it, especially right off the bat. Now, once you kind of get into the, the rhythm of a tattoo, it's, it's sort of fine. You're, it's just what you're doing. But the first few minutes to 10 to 15 minutes is like uh, you fighting with your body about releasing adrenaline. Yeah. And so the same thing happened here where you're kind of getting like the cold sweat going. Um, I got the, uh, the metallic taste in my gums. Oh, which is something that happens to me when I'm under duress. All right. And my body's releasing uh, adrenaline for fight or flight. And the doctor was actually really up for some conversation. You went to the same clinic. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know. Did you have Dr. White? 
I don't recall his oh, name. Oh, you don't recall. Okay. Um, but he was up for some conversation, which I appreciated because he actually talked about it. He's like, yeah, what we're doing right now is called verbal anesthesia. And if you Google verbal anesthesia, urology, urology uh, procedures are the first thing that come up. <laughs> really? You <laughs> yeah. know, it, and I do recall uh, my doctor being very, very cash and very conversational. Mm-hmm. So I, it may have been the same dude. I asked him some questions. I was like, is it tough doing this all the time? You know, I was like, what's it like? You know, like, and we talked about medical specialties and then we talked about the fact that he gets to innovate and, and explore his specialties. So that's positive. Um, also for me, I'm not, uh, it's not drug resistant, but I have, um, my, my pain relief receptors are slow to act. So the medicine takes longer to bond with the cells in my body that tell my brain not to feel pain. Okay. And this has always been I, so. You're I, per, so you're bad at taking anesthesia, is basically what. It, yeah, yeah, and per, yeah, and I told him that up front. I was like, just so you know, I was like, because I wouldn't really talk about how much pain this is going to be. Like, I I have this challenge with anesthesia sometimes. Like the dentist has a really hard time getting me numb for any any drilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, well, that's good to know because I actually had to get a double dose on both sides of anesthesia because he wow. started and I, he started and I was like, hey. Yeah, that's is that supposed to hurt that much? <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually numb before I get into any procedure. I pre-numb at home. <laughs> <laughs> just like pour lidocaine all over the top. Right, exactly. <laughs> I just you know, I take a topical, then I drink a bunch of whiskey, yeah, and go. then I go to the to the whatever procedure I'm going to. But uh, overall, pretty easy, no big deal. Um, he did ask me if I wanted to see it, which I thought was weird. I was like, no. Okay, we must we must have had the same doctor because he did ask me if I wanted to see it. I said yes. Mm. Usually, I, I am a, curious. I took the I took the mirror, uh-huh. and I and I gave myself a little glance, and I was like, okay, because he had just done the one side. So I was like, yes. I just I was curious. Like, did the guy like cut me wide open? <laughs> you know, what I mean? it didn't feel. Like, I didn't. I don't know. So I just took a peek. Well, because of my anesthesia situation. I'm just in mortal terror the whole time, right? I'm right, like, right, oh, right, God, right. I'm so terrified. This is going to start hurting really bad at any moment. Sure. So, and I was like, no, man, just go, keep going, man. Just go. Just do it. Just, <laughs> just do go. it. Just go, did you, So, did So, your procedure was only mildly invasive, right? It's got like a... They've... they've, they've, they've I mean, there was smoke and shit coming from mine. <laughs> I didn't see any smoke. <laughs> there was there was like cauterization. They still use the, the cauterizer. And there was like smoke and shit coming from my balls. I'm not exactly sure what was going on down there. Like I said, I wasn't watching. Um, <laughs> but I will say that it's it's a very strange thing to be sort of out of commission with no visible injury. Like, it's really weird to feel, you know, like I've had Something surgery. happened. Like, yeah. something happened. Well, and the way, the way that that is manifested, and this is way more than I usually share on the podcast, so I apologize for anybody who doesn't want to hear about this. But Everyone wants to hear about this. This is fantastic. <laughs> I'm in general a grower, not a shower in that, kind of, in that situation. Yeah, but man, I got like the Mitch McConnell of dicks these days. The thing is just the whole. It's like it knows something bad has happened to it, and it's hiding. <laughs> I can barely go pee because it's, it's like it's like I got the easy button right now. Like that's all. There's just a <laughs> just a toadstool. It's the worst. It, it has a sense of what's happening. Yes, I've been traumatized. What have you done to me? I'm trying to hide. So. I'm recovering nicely. <laughs> nice. That's that's good. That's good. You, like no no sprinting. No, no, I'm taking no, it easy. No power squats. I took the trash out tonight. That's, that's... Uh, but the trash can rolls, right? So you don't yes. want to like, yeah. yeah, you're fine. And I've been able to beg off two uh, bath nights with the kids. Oh yeah. I can't, I hunch, can't... I can't hunch over that bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. See you're you you got to take advantage. Yeah, that's that's about all I've done though, is take advantage of that. But anyway, on to the show. So, (laughs) 
in segment one, we're going to talk about uh, cancellations. And you wanted to talk about, well, really, you put on the talk sheet the, uh, the congresswoman who called the president a motherfucker in in a casual setting. <laughs> in a casual <laughs> in a in a casual elected official setting. I thought, you know, I don't I don't begrudge anyone. In you know, we live in a country where we celebrate free speech. I just thought it was funny that an elected official would just sort of open with this. So it's like, let's just fire some shots, baby. Let's 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 get this Congress rolling. <laughs> it was an anecdote. She was saying she was saying to her people that she had said to her child that this is I'm going to go to Washington. Yeah, and I mean I get it. You know, she's a Muslim and and he has been particularly. I again, I I think it's a funny story to tell your nine year old that you're going to go impeach this motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if she used that exact term with her nine year old, but uh, I thought it was a I thought it was an interesting way to get the ball rolling because that's just where we are today in this world of 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 whatnot but uh but it made me laugh i was i thought okay let's get it out of our system and uh and maybe we can get on to uh maybe we can get get some stuff going but you know four four days into this year into this congressional year seems uh seems like we're uh seems like we're not going that's not going so great i think it's symptomatic of something that a friend of mine said the other day other day to me that he was just you know with the with the address the impending address that we saw last night um had said it's just uh, he's sad that whatever like i don't know what the word is for regalness or regality or whatever you would use to describe sort of the respect of the office in a you know it's it's regal it's, it has a importance to it right sure that whatever there was left after everything that's been degraded over the last 20, 30 years, it's just that it's gone. That it's like individual people may be able to recapture some of it at some point, but for the time being, it's just gone. And I think that her um, comments are authentic because, I mean, that's how I feel. That sure. I would like that this person is just ruining this, you know, systematically ruining the, the, everything he touches. And. Right it's tough to sit back and not feel like, you know, even if you had a person who was a bad actor, at least you want that person to be a statesman, right? Like lie to me, right? Like, <laughs> well, well he is, but the, uh, but you're right in terms of like, quote unquote, the dignity of the office. Right. If we're, if we're, if we're talking about that, 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 that'll, that come, that'll come back with somebody. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, at least I'm hopeful that we, you know, at some point someone will get elected. I mean, it's a typical, it's this typical swing to the left, swing to the right. At some point people, you know. Dude, it's, I, par, it's I far from typical. Come on. I mean. Nothing is, about this is typical. It's, well, it's not typical, but it's, tr it trends, it's been trending this way for a little bit. Well, he finally figured out a way to apply his personal brand of chaos to actual infrastructure and like operational issues in the past it's just been spouting off and being a blustery asshole and that's sort of neither here nor there doesn't really matter and we have you know a congress acting or a senate at least acting in mostly bad faith right obviously they passed the continuing resolution on the budget unanimously that didn't include border wall funding and suddenly now that he's dying on the hill they're no longer willing to bit to vote on a bill they've already passed right and that's purely just i'm you know, it's it's partisan, right? There's no, there's yeah. no reality to it at all. Well, the uh, well, the fact of the matter is, is it was the cornerstone of his campaign. So even if he 
you know, if if he doesn't, if he can't get it done, he's not going to get elected anyway. He's probably not going to get elected, reelected anyway. So there's there's nothing for him to lose. I mean, what does he just he just goes? I mean, if he does, if, you know, if when he doesn't get reelected in 2020, he just goes back to being shitty Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But but now he's ex president, so of course he he's never going to be out. We're never going to be done with him. Yeah, and I think McConnell's strategy is just if we just wait him out, eventually the media will start blaming the Democrats because th- we've made our position clear, even though our position is absurd. Yeah, well, or you know, that's the that's the other thing. Like you know, at some point, each you know each side's just going to point at each other and say, well, "It's like fun part of the wall. We're not going to fun part of the wall. Well, then I'm not going to do this." And so everyone's just going to stand around and point at each other, and nothing's going to get done. Which is sad because there are a lot of people out there who really need jobs who well he's literally going to starve people starting in march when the food stamps program runs out <laughs> or people or people you know who are working now and not getting paid so that's the worst that's the worst man if i was if i was one of those tsa people and oh. you know i know we i know they need those jobs after the after they turn the paychecks back on right but man to have to go work and knowing that you're working for free I heard an anecdote that said somebody said hey do you want me to take my laptop out and the tsa agent said do whatever you want i'm not getting paid so that makes me feel good. Yeah, I got to exactly. fly to Florida in two weeks. That's <laughs> a fully first. that's a that's a cross country flight with fully loaded tanks of fuel. I got to tell you what, I'm a little freaked out about it. <laughs> yeah, it's you know again, it's 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 just putting undue pressure on a world that it just it just it just seems so unnecessary. Which is which is which is always my problem with. It's wildly like unnecessary. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like I understand I understand people going to bat for causes and doing this and doing that, but this all just seems so unnecessary and it's not it's not fun. It's not it's not fun to watch. Did you see the story about it being a mnemonic device during the campaign? The build the wall? Yeah. That it was the, something they put in his talking notes so he wouldn't forget to talk about immigration. It wasn't ever meant to be a literal wall. It was just to <laughs> remind him to talk about immigrate be a hardliner on immigration in his rallies. Yeah, and he just and he, turned it into once he saw the crowd react to it when he he turned it into a catchphrase that it became this thing and now it is like literally the centerpiece of his presidency. Sure. Well, I mean that's uh, we'll see where we'll see where that goes, but uh, I don't know. It's I you know as a as someone who likes to watch the process, I don't like to watch just, this process. This it's 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 rough. It's rough from a spectator from a spectator standpoint because there's no art to it, right? There's no there's nothing there's nothing there's no good ideas being thrown out which is which is which is what you want to see in a situation like this where it's like okay you don't want to give me this i don't want to give you that but what if we did this right i'd be like but no one's even doing that there no one's even having this sort of cursory or even feigning we did this a year ago though about the daca protections for border security funding but never a wall. I mean, I can't. I don't even want to get into the like the, the actual reality of debating it because it's it's all absurd. It's not based in fact. You can't have an emergency that's going to take years to solve. It, it's just the whole. Uh, I can't. So speaking of other people that like to pee the bed, there was the <laughs> docu series on R. Kelly that came out this week called Surviving and, R. Kelly. And I and I can't bring myself to watch it. I know a lot of people have watched it. I see a lot of tweets and it Facebook has taken people. over my Twitter feed while it's running. Yeah. Apparently, everyone went right from Bird Box to watching Surviving R. Kelly. <laughs> it's like, hey, let's live in a world where no one can see uh, and then watch a program no one wants to see. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, you know, I've read enough about it to th- think to myself, this whole thing is just terrible. What is the, 
I mean, I remember when he married Aaliyah. I was like roughly Aaliyah's age when he did that. Yeah. And I don't mean to laugh about it. Like, how was that just like a nothing thing? Did you see the story that they gave her? He gave them a hundred bucks not to pursue like civil litigation after the annulment. Yeah. He paid him off with a hundred bucks. Yeah, well, like hundred bucks went a lot further back then. Apparently, <laughs> I don't think that's, that's kind of beside <laughs> the point. But the uh, but every story that that bubbles up that I that anyone has sort of forwarded or said it are all just horrific and just continue yeah, to be horrific. So this man belongs in jail. He is. Oh, he is definitely a criminal, and the fact that he's not in jail right now is a huge travesty. Well, now you know I wanted to move from one criminal to another. <laughs> <laughs> this is just this. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. You know, this is this is one of those stories where someone is talented. I mean, R. Kelly wrote some good songs. Sure, he's talented. He's famous. He's built this sort of ecosystem around him that feeds the machine, and as long as he's making other people money lots of money then everyone's re- everyone's ready to look the other way on things like this this isn't just sort of i'm cheating on my taxes you know what i mean this yeah. is like serious these are serious problems sure and people and you know people's innocent lives have been <laughs> you know ruined by it absolutely the only thing i will say for r kelly and this is not in his defense is that one thing he did that every famous person should do if you're going to become famous is right off the from the jump wear sunglasses in public at all times just so that you can you, i mean if you want to do drugs you just do drugs because you're wearing sunglasses at all times no one's ever going to ask you to take them off <laughs> right right <laughs> i yeah. just you know I see, every time i see him and i'm like i don't know what he does in his, in his spare time uh from a recreational drug perspective but i was just thinking i was like that's a smart idea if you want to do that kind of thing <laughs> you just wear sunglasses all the time just walk around with bloodshot eyes. You just yeah. look awful. Look, basically look awful all the time. So you guys will just wear the sunglasses. I think this is. I think. I think they. Uh, I think Hollywood figured that out a long time ago. Uh, for sure. I remember when anytime Brad Pitt would show up on the red carpet with those like half tinted sunglasses, I was like, "Oh, Brad, smoking a doob in the limo." <laughs> well, we you hit know, the that buzzer. The truth. We hit the buzzer, and one of my 2019 resolutions is to respect the buzzer. But. <laughs> that being said I just since we're talking about all this these terrible people I wanted to touch on Louis CK since we talked about him last week because there was a, a good piece on uh, Jezebel of all places that, that sounds like I'm being dismissive I'm not it's just not for me it's not written for me uh, per se but it does a, a story or they, they pl- publish a story about uh, an owner of a comedy club in Denver who said no to booking Louis comeback tour and I just wanted to touch on it because I think that she says a couple of things that I think summed up what we were talking about, as well as she did, I think, what is the right thing, which is when she considered booking him, she looked further into it. And then she actually reached out to individuals and reached out for comment. What was this like for you? How Trump, how traumatic was it? Was it, you know, because all we have is the, the media massage story, which is a filtered version of his version of events. And then, you know, some clips here and there, but not a lot of straight um here's here here i'm one of the people that he did this to and here's how i feel about it and i actually saw a lot of female comedians who he interacted with in this way kind of kind of hand wave it a little bit right like well yeah sure. i mean he was gross and he did it but it never really bothered me so it wasn't that big of a deal right and i think well, that's one not... of the surprising people is like sarah silverman exactly that's who i'm thinking of yeah which which totally blows me away considering 
most of the stuff that she's perfectly willing to say. Yeah. But the uh, but no, I think this I think this woman who owns one of the biggest comedy clubs in Denver, the biggest comedy clubs and one of the biggest comedy clubs in the country. It took the time. I you know, like I said, just to reiterate your point. Yeah, I appreciate what she did, and she made and she came to her own decision, and she just said, "We're not booking him," and uh-huh. and that's that. And she didn't she didn't disparage all the other people who will decide nope. to book him. She just said, "For me, for my club, for my business, and for my for me." I am not booking him, and I completely respect that. And I think, uh, yeah, and I agree. It's a it's a good article. I wanted to read the quote at the end too, where she says, "Quote on a personal level," Curtis says, "I respect his comedy. I've come up with his comedy, and I believe in second chances. Everybody makes mistakes. I've made so many myself. But she has a strong perception. She says that CK has not yet done the work to make amends. From what I've heard from comedians in New York who have regularly seen him come into the cellar and the other things I've read." I don't think he's in a place, she says simply. It seems like he thinks, I did a fucking year, fuck you, I'm coming back. That's my speculation, though I don't know. So I did say this from my club, from me right now, it's just not the right thing. And she goes on to talk about it would have been much harder to refuse it when she was much harder up for money and the club wasn't as successful. So all of these nuanced things we've talked about come into play and I just, I think that she did exactly what you should do, which is look further into it and decide for yourself how damaging were his actions and is this somebody you want to support? Yeah, and and do your do your own personal situation dictate that maybe you might have to book him. I mean right. that's I mean that's again that's the, that's one of those that's one of those things where when people make decisions, if you if you see that they've thought it out and made a decision, even if it's a decision you didn't agree with, even if she at some point had decided to book him for whatever reasons, or you know she said you know really at this point in the economy that you know, having to book somebody of this stature would really help my club and the people who work here. And so I've decided maybe to book him. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I would have respected that too. I mean, that's a, I mean, at least, at least she was thoughtful about it yeah. and, and it was good for her to share that. So I, you know, I, I appreciated this article. Well, speaking of dogs in segment two, <laughs> we're going to talk about the <laughs> California law that just went into effect, signed into law in 2017 by governor Jerry Brown that, Um, requires pet stores in California to sell dogs, cats, and rabbits that come from shelters or nonprofits. So it outlaws the retail sale of uh, professionally bred animals um, in California. And you had a proposal that tied together rescue dogs and cats. Okay, yes, I did. And the retail business. All right, so first of all, I think it's part part of me feels like Maybe the government shouldn't tell private business owners what they can and can't sell in terms of it's not illegal to raise dogs of certain breeds. Um, I think it's probably uh, maybe the <laughs> maybe the I was thinking maybe the private breeding like pre- breeding lobby is really powerful in California because now that I don't know, you, you can't buy you can't go to PetSmart and buy a whatever a beagle. You know what I mean? You can. Like, it just has to be a rescue. It has to be a rescue beagle. But, but if you wanted, if you want to go through a breeder, you can't. Still can. Yeah. You still can, but you, but these stores can't buy those dogs to sell to you. I don't necessarily disagree with your premise that this might be a government overreach. But go ahead. <laughs> this is that's the government overreach part. But um, but I'm also I'm also wondering um, you know, does this does this help the shelter? So I, I, I guess I just need to figure out. I, I was, I was sort of of the mind that, that 
the the shelters and the pet stores working together. It was a good idea, to so we can get you know so people who want dogs sure. and cats can have more access to those dogs and cats. Um, <laughs> the next thing that sort of my brain jumped to was people who buy a buy a dog or cat or whatever uh-huh. and and then say I don't want it. Oh, all right. So I this is these people. so this is I I get that. I, and I get that there are some people who probably buy, may, buy a pet for their, their family and maybe they're just not equipped. Maybe they just didn't realize what they were doing. They've made a poor choice. Okay. And Okay, <laughs> so my sense is you should just you should take that pet that you've brought into your home and into your family and learn to raise it properly. It's not like there's not enough information available to you right. or resources available to you to raise a pet pup properly in your home but the people who go oh we just don't want this dog anymore and decide to take it to the pound here's my proposal here's my modest proposal for for that you got to kill your pet at the pound (laughs) (laughs) if you're gonna turn in your dog they should like bring you into a room and say you know what we don't have any room we're having to have to euthanize your pet here's a knife i want you to stick it in this dog and kill it yourself because listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna take on this responsibility of pet ownership, you can go ahead and get yourself out of it. We will take care of your 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 deceased pet for you, but you're gonna have to take care of it, pal, because it's your pet. So you just want strays running around because that's what people are gonna do <laughs> is just leave the animal on the street. No, well you get chipped. You get it. You I mean if they find your if they capture your stray on the on the on the street and it's chipped and it's registered to you you know you're you're in violation of the law you get fined or whatever but listen i just i think that there's a whole level of personal responsibility people need to have when they when they get a pet now my kids have been bugging me for a dog forever but i also know what my personal commitment to raising a dog is Mm -hmm. and it's not very high Sure. I I like dogs. I like other people's dogs. <laughs> but listen, I do not want I do not want to raise my own dog. That's it. And you and have so, to do it correctly. Like when And you have to do it correctly. When my wife before we got married wanted to get a dog. I was like, "Have you ever had a dog?" And she said, "No, that's why I want to get one." I was like, "Okay, well, I've had numerous dogs, and I want you to understand that if we're going to get a dog, here's what's here's how it's going to happen." I was like, "We're going to go to obedience. It's going to happen once a week. It's going to take this long." You're going to learn as much about how to handle the dog as the dog is going to learn about commands and, and managing its own behavior. I was like, you're go- we're going to create it. You're going to think some of the things I do seem mean. But what I'm doing is I'm putting it in a place where it can't pee or poop because it won't do it if it can't lay down. I was like, it, it seems really mean when you put a, pu- a puppy in a cage that's only big enough for him to turn around. But trust me, if we do this up front, it'll work out long term. And now we have a very well-behaved animal who, mm-hmm. for the most part, listens, is a little bit willful, but still responds to basic commands. And other than being um, a husky, so wanting to explore and every once in a while digging his way out of the yard, which is just, that's inherent with the breed, we have a fairly well-behaved dog. But I'm with you. Like, if the kids aren't going to take... Well, this goes back to my theory of our economy needs a lot more, not just economy, but our society needs a lot more licensed operators. Like, you said that it's government overreach for them to take control of the market a little bit, right? To say that... Mm-hmm. A pet store can't say who's going to supply their pets. Mm-hmm. Well, the that's that's the supply side solution. 
because you can't control the demand side because you can't write legislation that says you have to go get a license that says you are a qualified dog buyer. That'd be much more government overhead and all this other stuff. But that's really what you need to have happen for this to, to have the most effect, which is it does matter where you get the pet. But what matters most is who takes care of the pet and how good are are they at doing it? And you know, if you already license, if you're licensed dogs, how many do you have? Are you equipped to handle them? You know, you don't want to create a scenario that creates strays. And so I'm, <laughs> I agree with your, with your, if you're going to abandon it, it's up to you to put it down. <laughs> that's, that's a, a pretty good uh, deterrent, but I do worry that the actual impact is, well, just let it out of the back of the car, honey, we're leaving. Right. That's, I mean, of course the, I just, it really just speaks to people's personal responsibility in this. Now the government I mean, licensure and all that other stuff. There are certain things that should be licensed. But in terms of your pets, I mean, just have a little, just take a little personal responsibility. That's, that's all. I mean, look, man, if it was up to me, we'd have, you'd have to get licensed to have children. So I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want anybody doing anything that they can't actually competently execute no i i'm, I'm the I'm, I'm the opposite i just want people to <laughs> i just want people to take a hot second and before you buy that cute little puppy that's gonna grow into a not as cute three-year-old dog that you're like okay that's too big and it's not cute anymore and let's get rid of this dog i just it just it's just ridiculous and and you know that people make these whole these all these arguments about how their pet is part of the family and then they have to move and they don't want to take their dog. <laughs> we, had to, we had to surrender a cat one time and it was because we'd had the cat for nearly a decade. And once we had our, it started peeing in the house when we had our first baby and mm. it was manageable. And then once we had our second baby, it was like just pissing all over all the furniture. And there was yeah. just, what am I going to do? And truth be told, if the rule was I had to put the cat down, I would have at that point done it because it was ruining my house and my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> So and I feel what, bad you, about that still. I still have guilt about giving up that cat. That was our cat. Did, did you give it did you did you give it to somebody you knew or did you give it to the, the did you take it to the pound? We took it to a no shelter. kill shelter. Uh-huh. Um and then we saw the ad for it to get adopted and it was a really good ad. They helped they 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 asked us questions when we turned them over and you know um basically they put up an ad that says this is a mature cat that needs a home that doesn't have children. Yeah. And I'm hopefully, I mean, it, the, the ad disappeared. So either they found a, a home or, you know, he passed away in custody, which is a thing that happens. Right. Right. I mean, you have no choice in that regard. I, there was no I've, other option. The cat, I've got, I couldn't, I couldn't like train the cat at that point to stop pissing on the right. furniture. It was doing could, it in rebellion. Right. Or you could, <laughs> or you could make it a quote unquote outdoor cat. We'll put your, we'll put your, we'll put your, we'll put your food outside and you can live outside. Cat. We thought about it. The cat was in had declared open rebellion though. There was no, yeah. <laughs> there was no. Yeah, listen, listen, cat. If you're gonna make me choose between you and my children, you've you've, you've picked the you've picked the bad fight here. Well, speaking pick... of my children, I was singing a nonsense lullaby to my daughter the other night that talks about the chickens in the bathtub is one of the lines, and she was asking about chickens like the animal in the bathtub, and she says, she actually said to me she's like chicken like the animal, or chicken like the food, and I was like, <laughs> well, it's the same thing, so I. This sparked a little bit of a conversation that I cataloged immediately afterwards that I thought I could share on the pod here. So she says, chicken, like the animals, or chicken that we eat? I say it's the same thing. What? So you have to kill it? Who kills it? I was like, farmers. And she, and then the she colonel. Like, <laughs> the colonel kills it. 
she didn't want to buy that. So she goes, like, like robbers, maybe? Bad people? <laughs> I was like, no, just chicken farmers. They do it. And she goes, well, how? And then I was like, oh, what do I tell her? I was like, well, they raise the chickens with the intent of being eaten. And then they have to kill them before they get sent to the store. That's what I say. And then she goes, I, I expected a much more sort of know, negative reaction. But what she says is, and then you cook it? I'm like, why, why, yes, honey, we do. I say yes. <laughs> and then she, she shifts gears because the song also mentions sheep. So the next thing she says to me is, do people eat sheep? And I was like, well, sometimes. It's called mutton. And she goes, what? I was like, mutton. It's what you call sheep when you cook it. And I was like, and a steak is a cow. And she goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and bacon is pork. And, and, or I said, pork. sorry, bacon is a pig. And she turns to me and she goes, we eat animals? I was like, yes, and plants. I was like, like an apple, you know? And then she goes, oh, like from an apple tree. And I was like, yeah. I say, yes, and potatoes and carrots grow in the ground. She says, oh. And I go, all animals eat other animals and plants. And she says, what? And I was like, well, humans are just animals, too. <laughs> we talked this, is, about- this, is a, this is a very, this has gone really deep. Like in the, probably the t- two minutes you were having this conversation. We've actually already had an evolution conversation before, so this isn't totally foreign to her. Uh-huh. And then so she says to me, what kind of animals? And I say, well, mammals. And I was like, remember, I told you how we evolved from apes. I was like, we're basically hairless apes. <laughs> she goes, I'm not an ape. I came from mommy's tummy. <laughs> and I was like, yes, your, your, I don't mean your that mommy's you, ape tummy. Yes, I, I don't mean that you are an ape. I mean that all humans thousands of years ago. And then she interrupts me and says, wait, was I an ape in mommy's tummy and then came out as a human? <laughs> And I was like, no, no, but humans are still animals. Hairless apes? Yes. And some people are bald, so they really are hairless apes. That's how she said it to me. That was the end. She, that was her recollection. Her, her close of the conversation was like, hairless apes, okay. And some people are bald, so they're, they're the real hairless apes. They're the, they're the hairless. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's the funny thing about the English language is we have this divide between the food and the, the animal. Right. Right. Like a lot of other cultures have no such construction, right? Like, like cow is cow, right? Like, pig is pig. I mean, that's what you're eating. Like mm-hmm. in the language in itself, like in, like in most other cultures, what you're having there is not bacon; it's pig belly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, it's, right. Not, it's a oh, that's a funny story. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're a budding, a budding vegetarian, I think. Uh, probably, maybe. yeah. Probably, ha- probably, probably is coming on. I don't know. She didn't really seem to have any morality issues with it. She was kind of like shocked, but then kind of like, all right, well, you know, whatever. I like it. It's good. Like tastes it. good. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in segment three, we wanted to talk about the amateur line in sports. And you sent me a couple of links. One where uh, golf journalist Jeff Shackelford, co-host of the Shack House podcast, if you want to check that out, um, talked about trying to do away with amateur status in golf and one where um i'm trying to find it now sorry the uh the high school sports association in alabama refuses to allow or give clemency for a suspension i didn't get i did not do a good job summarizing the second (laughs) one well Um, the so the young lady in alabama we can just start with her okay so the young lady in alabama um mary davenport played Played for the U.S. team. She's a high school girl, an immensely talented ball oh, player. Oh, right. She got paid for her travel, and she got and not got paid. The USA basketball accidentally a clerical error. 
oh. sent her a check, which they immediately said, um, this is a clerical error. You can't, you know, she's high school student and whatever. But And it was returned in full. Yeah. And the high school association of Alabama was like, nope, you are now no longer an amateur. I think, what... What are you people doing over there? It's it's this the the whole idea that that you know this young woman was accidentally sent a check and all of a sudden you're going to come down on her like a ton of bricks. It's just a it's a, the whole story is completely ridiculous. And considering you know there's no logic I, to it at all. There's no logic to it at all and I and, and you know that and I don't like to draw these lines too often, but you know that young men who are going to play professional sports, even out of high school, are getting money mm-hmm. hand over fist. Like, you don't tell me LeBron James, when he was a senior in high school, wasn't just getting tons of money. Like, and it was obvious. Like, if you know you're not going to go to college, sure. He's got thousands of dollars of tattoos on his body. He's right. driving a, a Hummer. He's a senior in high school. Right. His mom's a single parent. Like, where is this? Where is this money coming from? No one seems to give a rip. But this poor young lady in Alabama gets, you know, missent a check, and all of a sudden she's no longer she's no longer you know able to play. It's just it's dumb. With a caveat that I can never know what's in anyone's heart, the fact that this happened in Alabama to a woman of color smacks of Alabama politics too. Yes. Well. Stepped out of line. Now got to put the law down on you. No exceptions. <laughs> but and, and and I think there's this, and I'm gonna we're gonna contrast here with the next with the Shackelford article. Uh, but team sports generally have this, they smack of this this whole. There's a lot of pearl clutching that goes on with 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 team sports. Well, you requ- it requires a little bit more infrastructure to pull it off, right? You have to have an organizi- an organizing body that does more than just say, hey, we're going to have a basketball tournament and here's the gym and it's open, which is basically what a golf course is. I mean, yes, there's a lot that goes into a golf tournament and we'll get there, but it's not like there's not some sort of you have to make sure that everyone shows up and they've organized like, you know, a tournament. There's more to team sports from an infrastructure and patriarchy and lording over perspective than there is in some of these individual sports where yeah you might that's why do you want to transition into the the juxtaposition here with with Shackelford's article yeah so the contrast that with Lucy Lee who is a 15 year old top amateur golfer Mm -hmm. who just recently I don't know appeared in an Apple watch ad (laughs) playing golf she's like decked out in Nike She's got, she's doing an Apple Watch ad, and some people sort of batted an eye about it. I mean, there's now there's some talk about is she really an amateur, right? But they certainly didn't, they did they certainly didn't come down on her like a, <laughs> like a ton of bricks. No, you know that's just the and and my thought about it is initially is if from a Lucy Lee perspective, if she's not making professional golf money. Like if she's she's not earning a profession, she's she's not getting paid when she wins golf tournaments. I don't consider her, I don't consider her a professional golfer. Now I agree. If Apple if Apple wants to pay her to wear a watch, or if Nike wants to pay her to wear clothes, as far as I'm concerned, she's a model, right? Right. She's a she's getting paid for modeling. 
That's that's how I see it. Now, the other thing is that Lucy Lee's probably if, if the NCAA were to say, well, Lucy Lee's not eligible to play NCAA golf, I'd totally be fine with that. I'm not for various reasons, but yeah, I get what you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. If the NCAA says Lucy Lee, you cannot make money modeling <laughs> and play and play collegiate golf. I don't know. I mean, well, where's the line, I, right? Right. Where's the line? Like, I would say, okay, maybe. All right, maybe they're maybe whatever they're quote unquote defending amateurism, which they're not. So, but but she could easily just go ahead and just turn pro and probably make and she's going to make a fine living as a professional golfer. But I look at Mary Davenport, <laughs> and she has no choice but to go through high school and through some collegiate program in order to make it to play professional basketball in Europe or in the United States. Maybe she could just dump the NCAA and go to Europe and just start to make money and go ahead and make money. But, I, but that's not what probably what she wants to do. Well, so it says in her article that it's not enough of a violation to be an NCAA problem. But and she is a junior, so they won't uh, let her play her senior year. So most likely she's still going to go to college and play basketball in college, and it's ultimately going to work itself out. But it's absolutely Alabama just flexing its mini mini NCAA nuts on her, like I, like I did. I already did the voice and everything. Right. Just, <laughs> but it, the the pearl clutching around around what makes people amateurs. From my perspective, it's like if I play golf and I win a tournament and there's no money at the end of it, I am not a professional golfer. In my opinion, that all athletes like so we can talk about like whether or not the NCAA should pay revenue producing athletes. That is a reasonable debate to have or all the all the reasons they say they can't do it seem mostly like bullshit to me. But I at least understand that there's a debate to be had. I really think where I have a real problem with it is the. Um, um, who is the gentleman that sued? So why doesn't NCAA football, like EA Sports, NCAA football doesn't uh, exist oh, no, anymore? It's, bas- it's basketball. It's, it's football. Bas- doesn't they, they don't have any NCAA sports anymore it was at all. Ed, it was Ed O'Bannon. There you go. Ed O'Bannon, the lawsuit where you're not allowed to make money on your own, just off of your recognizability or your... On your likeness. Yeah, yeah your likeness. Your, there you go. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think that Lucy Lee is doing. And, and I, it, in this case, is that... She's famous enough to they want her to be in a commercial. I don't think that has anything to do with whether or not she's playing where she's playing her sport. And the the same thing would happen to Maury Davenport if she went and appeared in a commercial, she'd get nailed the same way. Even though that sure. makes absolutely zero sense. It's not like and again, it has to do with that patriarchy and that pearl clutching over not letting amateur athletes make any kind of money. But it doesn't matter how old you are. That's the most un American thing I can think of to say that people want to pay you money for something outside of your actual trade and you're not allowed to take the right. money what if trevor what if like so let's say i'm trevor lawrence right that this <laughs> trevor lawrence is on my t- my notes sheet I'm, here so let's say i'm trevor lawrence i just won the national championship i can't enter the end two more years NFL. now let's be clear about that stipulation first that's not an ncaa rule that is a NFLPA rule that is collectively bargained. That ne- is negotiated in constru- in con- right. uh, conjunction is, with the NCAA. That is that is the NFL players union protecting veteran players more so than their yes, more so than restricting youthful youth. You know, but do you agree? Players. There's no doubt that Trevor Lawrence could play in the NFL. He, there's no doubt he could play in the NFL. Now here's the other thing: he's got two years left. He's going to play at Clemson for two years. What if he took a modeling job (laughs) (laughs) 
Ace, because he's very recognizable. He's got the long blonde hair. Yes. He's he's been on TV nonstop for the last month. Yeah, I've seen more I pictures mean, of Kip Pardue than I care to. <laughs> right. So, what if he took a modeling job at at Boss Suits, <laughs> where he doesn't put on a, a football uniform, mm-hmm. but he's going to model suits, and they're going to put those suit ads in. Sports Illustrated. I don't know, but I'm just saying that. I'm with you. That what? Why wouldn't he be able to? Why? I mean, give me. I mean, I because don't. Think the NCAA would be say, that but the sport made him famous, and therefore he's using the sport. And somehow you're not right. allowed to use the sport to make money in any way, even if it has because, nothing to do with the sport because, directly. Because Clemson won't put him on the program, <laughs> or they won't sell 100 million Trevor Lawrence jerseys. Right. Exactly. Next year. So this is that that's the that's what I'm saying is that he's not a professional football player even if he makes money holding Nike footballs or whatever. I don't know, whatever it takes. Like give him a give him a shoe deal because what it comes down to is he's just he's modeling. He's what's the different he's get he's he has access to a good job before he gets his multi-million dollar quarterbacking job. Right. What if he's in a Nike commercial where all he does is the, it's a film of his workout? And he's wearing Nike gear. I'm sure that's probably what his life is like anyway. Right. So, yeah. I mean, Clemson what? has their, their uniform deals with Nike. So at what point does that line stop? If it's an official Clemson commercial, is that okay? Yeah. I just, if you're, if you're good at your, dumb. if you're good at your sport and you're not making money playing, if you're a football player and you don't make money playing football, then you are an amateur football player, regardless of if I'm good at it and someone wants to pay me to hold chapstick I should be able to hold chapstick and make money it's just the whole thing's just ridiculous you get no argument from me I can't and I can't I don't want to get down the rabbit hole of you said he's not a professional football player college division one football players are absolutely professional football players it's just unpaid labor yeah I mean but (laughs) this is the right I mean you could say that well they get to go to school but no I I'm I'm of the mind that the money there's so much money involved correct that you can't separate, but your labor produces revenue. There's no two ways about it. Right. But no one bats an eye about golfers or tennis players or hockey players. You know, I don't know how many collegiate hockey players play four years in, in, I mean, maybe some of our other broader pod fam people can like enlighten us on do hockey players even learn to read? I don't even know. Do they? I mean, as far as I know, they just play hockey until they're big enough to not get knocked on their ass. It just works. It works a lot like baseball. No one cares. It just, for some odd reason, football and basketball are this thing. I mean, Christian Pulisic, did he even graduate high school? No, 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 no. one knows. Now We've he's making a billion dollars playing, if, playing for Chelsea. It's like, no one cares except for football and basketball, and, and it's dumb, and I'm done with it. All right, good. Before we head to the OT, it's time for our new recurring segment, Dad Jokes of the Week. And so... Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! <laughs> All right. So, I got a calendar for Christmas. That is a dad joke calendar where you, you know, just a peel off, one a day, inspirational quote kind of calendar, but it's dad jokes instead. By the so, way, this is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to us. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready for this every week for the rest of the year. I'm going to read these. We're going to move through them quickly, but maybe you'll laugh. Maybe you won't. And that's all right. We're going to start with January 1st. We're just going to go in order. Some are definitely better than others. Just knock them out. Did you hear about the man who invented the knock, knock joke? He won the Nobel prize. (laughs) 
What do you call somebody with no body and no nose? Nobody, Nobody knows. knows. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the bank robber took a bath immediately after the heist. He wanted to make a clean getaway. Ooh. <laughs> Dad, can you put the cat out? I didn't know the cat was on fire. <laughs> That's something a dad would actually say. Yes. This one I liked. Our wedding was so beautiful, even the cake was in tears. Oh, man. <laughs> Why was the cat afraid of the tree? Because of its bark. Oh. And never buy anything with Velcro. It's a total ripoff. Oh, man. And that's it for Dad Jokes of the Week. Woo! <laughs> All right. Into the OT. We had a few things on tap. Um we want to talk briefly about the Seahawks, I guess. Uh, all right. I have a couple of things to say, and then we'll just move on. What the fuck? Can you please play situational football and change your play calling for what's working and not just keep ramming your head into the wall like idiots? I can't deal with the just, this is what we're doing. That's bad coaching. Like, I've always said that my coaching philosophy is that a good coach changes their play calls and their system to suit the personnel and the situation at hand in order to give themselves the best chance to win. That absolutely didn't happen last weekend. It was extremely frustrating. I have to talk about the Russ and Pete dynamics where Russ is such a company man. He's not the kind, he's not Aaron Rodgers, right? He's not going to change calls in the huddle and do a bunch of other shit. Maybe once you realize that it's not working, you should just start freelancing considering you've been throwing 40 yard dimes for the better part of a month down the sideline and yeah. which happened at the end of the game. Pete, after this, after the game in the press conference, just said that we didn't get enough attempts. We didn't get enough rushing attempts. <laughs> Really? What the actual fuck, Pete? <laughs> Considering the first three possessions you had were three and out, I think you didn't get enough attempts. <laughs> Just run play action. It always works. You can run out of play action, too. You know that, right? Like, <laughs> you can run. Yeah. I know that the defenders, the defenders say it's about the offensive linemen having tells on running plays versus passing plays, and play action doesn't always work. But, yes, you coach them up to sell the play action. And finally, have a fucking plan B. Like, if, right. if plan A is not working, have a plan B. And yes. don't wait until eight minutes left in the game to bust out plan B. Yes. This is the, this is the, this is the whole Voltron argument with the sword. Yes. It's like, why does Voltron fight for ten minutes and then pull out the sword and end the fight in, like, one second? Why doesn't he get the sword out early? Why don't you get the sword out early, Pete? Let's just go, I mean... If you if you go out and you run your if you go three and out because you're trying to run the ball or do whatever it's like why don't we just go to hurry up let's just go to the no huddle for a little while sure let's just do something like pretend you're trying yes that was a that was that was a very frustrating game to watch and and as much as I have said that I think the Seahawks overachieved that that loss is an underachievement. They, they, that was just a complete shitting of the bed from my perspective. I was, no kid who plays Madden for 10 minutes would play a game like that. It would no. just be too, it's ridiculous. I, like, <laughs> can you imagine running your Madden player directly into the line over and over again and be like, oh, I'm, I'm tricking you. I'm setting you up. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, all right, let's move on. So I don't talk about it anymore. You right. had one last thing. A, a two-on-three pod favorite, Mads Mikkelsen, is star starring in two movies. Tell me, I didn't, I didn't right. do any homework on this one. All right, fine. So Mads Mikkelsen, he is a favorite. If the uh, Casino Royale, he was a great Hannibal when the Hannibal show was on. Rogue One, yes, 
the man who who gave us the ability to destroy the Death Star. Galen or so. So I I'm a consumer of movie trailers. So I see a Mads Mikkelsen trailer the other a few days ago, and it's called it's called sorry it's called Arctic. Okay. Where he's crashes an airplane in the Arctic, and he's there with somebody, and he's and a, he has to take off into the tundra in order to save this person he's crashed with. Okay. So it's sort of like uh, the the mountains movie with Idris Elba and Kate Winslet. Sure. Sort of respect of that. It's like surviving in the wilderness. I like those kind of movies. I'm like, okay, I make a personal note. Like, all right. okay, all right, Mads Mikkelsen, whatever. Um, Arctic. All right. Da, da, da. Two days later, <laughs> I see this other trailer out of the corner of my eye. It says, Mads Mikkelsen, Polar. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, did I misremember that? It's like, oh, I thought it was called Arctic, but okay, Polar. <laughs> and I look, it's like Mads Mikkelsen with an eye patch on. I'm like, wait a minute, what is it? What is this again? So I click on it, and it's like a John Wick. It's a John Wick movie. It's John Wick two and a half, where he's this hitman who's living a quiet life in the wilderness until, for some odd reason, everyone has wants to kill him because whatever. And uh, and of course, you know, he's the super assassin. He's the Baba Yaga in this particular in this particular film, and. Gunplay ensues, and I think to myself, I'm confused. I'm like, <laughs> like, how are people gonna, you know, how are Mad Mickelson fans gonna know whether to watch Arctic or Polar? Like, you might just, it's like trying to watch Honeymoon in Vegas and Leaving Las Vegas <laughs> with Nick Cage. If you think you're watching one and you turn on the other, you are in for a very, very different evening. You're in for a very different evening. Has anyone and ever done a cut of those two movies to get those two movies together? I'd really like to watch the honeymoon and leaving leaving the honeymoon in Las Vegas. That would be tremendous. That would be a tremendous thing if somebody do. Uh, sidebar, indeed, on a Liz Shoe thing, I <laughs> happened to catch the very beginning, like on on a premium cable, so no commercials. The Saint, and that is a Liz Shoe tour de force. I'm sure. sorry, but that might be the Liz Shoe high watermark she's amazing front to back in that particular film she's killing and, it with those chunky highlights and i and i and i uh and i forgot how much i enjoyed that movie it's, it's a terrible good. it's a terrible movie yes. but it's wildly enjoyable yes it's very entertaining it's still good and you know i uh and what is it's probably what 20 it's i want to say 20, 96 97 yeah 20, 20 years yeah it's at it least definitely was in the old. 90s because i saw it in high school so Right, and so uh, anyway, so if you've got premium cable, you might look up the Saint and uh, enjoy that again because I, I I enjoyed it immensely. I was I was entertained for the whole the whole the whole of it. Nice. Well, before I read us out, um, I just wanted to throw a shout out to Shea Serrano's podcast, Villains. I don't know if you've checked that out at all. It's really good, uh, except the parts where Shea makes himself laugh when he he talks alone because he keeps interrupting himself to laugh at his own jokes. <laughs> but he does a podcast just that analyzes the villains of different movies so it's very ringer you know it's it's in the flavor of bill Sw- bill simmons obviously but the reason i bring it up is because he ends the podcast by saying listen to villains or go to hell and i wish that i had done that from the get-go here because i'm really <laughs> jealous of listen to villains or go to hell that's a nice that's a nice out yeah that's he just he just like all right that's that's the show listen to villains or go to hell <laughs> all right well that's it for us <laughs> and thanks to all of you for listening to the two on three pod you know that we appreciate tremendously the time you choose to spend with us. 
If you don't already, please subscribe and a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And coming soon to Spotify as soon as they post it because I've got the RSS uploaded finally into our Spotify. So if that's your podcast kicker of choice, you'll be able to pick us up there shortly. Uh, please don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next time with more shenanigans. And until then, peace. <laughs>